Thank you. It's really great to be uh, with you this morning. Thinking this morning that it's about 40 years ago that I first came to uh, speak at Montmorency, and Rob's still here. And <laughs> Rob and Mary are still here. It's not bad, is it? They were old then, and they're still. <laughs> To, um, I wanted to speak to, today about living as the body of Christ and I, I wanted to start with a comment that whenever I've used it, it seems to have raised some controversy. People seem to wrestle with it a little bit but here's a statement and I'm, I'd just be interested to know how you feel about it. And the statement goes like this. The call of Jesus Christ on our lives is a call out of sinful, self-focused individualism into a corporate body. The what, why that causes us a little bit of concern is that we live in a world that emphasises the importance of succeeding as an individual. We live in a world where the whole emphasis, right from when our children are little, the emphasis to them is do well at school, study well, achieve well, then you'll earn enough money to maintain your family and, and leave it for them to fight over when you die and we... We put this emphasis all the time on individualism. And when we come to Christ, one of the problems is, or one of the truths is, that we come to Christ as individuals. That's right, isn't it? Our salvation is an individual thing. We, re- we respond to the call of Christ on our lives as individuals. But often when we do that, we then continue to live as individuals. We continue to live dictated to by our opinions, by our ideas, by our values, personal values, and we bring them to bear on our life in the church. How do I know that? Well, I know that because I've been in church for a long time. And you try to introduce change in church. Right. Do you find that everybody just functions as a group then? <laughs> no, we, we all have our own opinions and our own ideas and our own thoughts and we bring them to bear so powerfully on the life of the church that often, sadly, it causes division and problems. And Julia and I right now, as you know, we're, we're nearly as old as Rob and, and, and we're retired. So we spend our retirement going to churches helping them work through conflict. And what saddens me, what saddens my heart really deeply is that the conflict is there at all 
And I realise that it's there largely because people who've been saved out of self-focused individualism are not living in Christ-centred community. And then, when I started to think about that, I realised that, that the, sub, the topics that, that Paul addresses in the first 11 chapters of 1 Corinthians are not random. He hasn't addressed them by accident. You see, in chapter 12, he's going to be talking about living as the body of Christ. And so, right up to chapter 12, in the first 11 chapters, he speaks about the result of living together, not as a body, but as individuals. Just let me give you a run through. This is the first time I've ever had 11 point introduction. Let me just give you a run through. In chapters 1 and 2, he speaks about the division in the church over leaders and leadership. So the Corinthian Christians are having problems over leaders and leadership. Some are following Apollos, some are following Peter, some are following Paul and, and they're doing it out of, out of their own opinions about these people. And then in chapters 3 and 4 and 5, he talks about the division that's caused through personal loyalties based on opinions. In chapter 6, he's talking about Christians in conflict and taking each other to court. In chapter uh, 6 again, he talks about secret sexual sins. In chapter 8, he talks about pride. In chapter 8 again, he talks about judgment and criticism. In chapter 9, he speaks about denying others their rights while focusing on our own. In chapter 10, he speaks about personal idolatry. And in chapter 10 again, he speaks about hypocrisy. And in chapter 10 again, he speaks about causing another brother or sister to stumble by our own behaviour. Now if you think about those things, every one of those, every one of those sinful behaviours comes out of us living or acting as individuals. Right? These are not, these are not non-Christian people that Paul is talking about. He's talking to Christians in Corinth. So these are Christian people living as individuals bringing our own individual opinions, ideas, behaviours, hungers, needs to bear on how we treat other people and how we relate to other people in the world. Now if we want to do uh, look at a microcosm of that and just understand that a little bit more, we could use the illustration of marriage. It's interesting that when Paul talks about the church, he often does use the illustration of marriage. So two people come together and, uh, and, and the Bible says they become one, they come together and become one. I heard somebody say yesterday at a party I was, I was at, the problem is deciding which one. Um, they, they become one and we also know 
that they remain as individuals. That's right, isn't it? And there's, there's a good sense about being an individual if I'm encouraging my partner to be the very best at what she is able to do and what God has made her to be and, and I encourage her and affirm her, then I am living in community with my wife as an individual. I'm not living as an individual in community. Do you see the difference? So when I live as an individual, uh, live in community as an individual, what I'm doing is I'm affirming her, encouraging her, supporting her, uh, releasing her to, to, to minister in her gifts. All of those things I'm doing because I'm living in community, a community of two, as an individual, as a Christ-centred spirit-filled individual. Well, that's, that's what we're called to do in the church. We're called into the church, into corporateness, to live in community. That's, that's, that's the focus. As a spirit-filled, redeemed, God-adopted, spirit-filled individual. Got that? That's simple, isn't it? We all know that. We've all known that all our lives. But, but how does that really happen? Because you see, that doesn't happen anywhere else but the church or Christian marriage. It doesn't happen anywhere else. You join any organisation or any club, you are not encouraged to live in community. You're encouraged to live as an individual and to be an individual and to bring your own individual ideas to the church. So how does it work? Well, we get to chapter 12. I bet you that's the first, the fastest ten-point introduction you've ever heard. But let's now come, come to chapter 12. We are of, there are ten, there are ten benefits in chapter 12. There are ten benefits for living in community, living as the body of Christ. Ten benefits, here they are. Number one, we are one of numerous indispensable parts of the body. I, I can see, as I look at myself, as you look at yourself, we are one part, one indispensable part of the whole body of Christ. Now, I, I can remember that over the years when people have been trying to impress me with the fact that they think I am doing too much and working too hard, they would say to me, now Graham, remember, you're not indispensable. Well, they're wrong. You and I are indispensable parts of the body. If, if we don't function the way God has created us to within the body, then the body is sick. The body is, is dysfunctional. And if we get the idea that we are, we are dispensable, if we get the idea that it doesn't really matter 
what we do in the body and how we live in the body and how we react in the body, then we are robbing the body. We are indispensable. I sometimes tell the story of a a Bible study group and they were sitting around discussing the body of Christ and, and the leader said, if you were to identify the part of the body that you represent, what would it be? Well, it wasn't very hard to, to discover the, the mouths of the body and the, the ears of the body and the eyes of the body and they finally went round the whole group and they came to the last lady, a very shy, very timid and very humble lady. She said, oh, I, I don't know, I, I, I can't think of any part of the body that I represent. And they pushed her and they said, come on, there must be, must be something. There must be some part of the body you feel you represent. And she, she said, well, I, I, guess, I guess I'm the little toe. And, and somebody in the group who had some medical knowledge said, well, do you know what it would be like if you didn't have your little toe? You know how much of the body that would affect? And she had... She had sort of in her, in her struggle to be as humble as she possibly could, she had actually identified a very important part of the body. We are. We're indispensable. And, and you know it does me a lot of good at my age to get up in the morning and say, God can't do without me. He has chosen me to be a part of his body. Whether it's a little toe or any other part of the body, he has chosen me to be that. And then secondly, here's the second thing that we find in Corinthians 12. He, when he, we, we have the same origin, we have the same origin as all the other parts of the body. When I come together with Christians here or anywhere in the world, what I know, what, what you would know, is we all have the same origin. We've been created in the image of God. We've all been redeemed through the shed blood of Christ. We've all been adopted into God's family. And we've all been filled with the Holy Spirit and we've all been given gifts. We're all of the same origin. That's why it doesn't matter where you go, you meet Christian people and you know immediately that there's a oneness about that. There's a link, there's a connection because we're all of the same origin as the other parts of the body. It's a little bit sad when we forget that because when we forget that, that allows us to be critical or judgmental of other parts of the body and yet, and yet there, is, there is absolutely no room for that. Over the years, as some of you know, I spend a lot of time counselling people and, and often I counsel people who used to go to church as children and as young people and don't go to church anymore and, and many times I've heard stories like, you know, I just, I just got to the point where I couldn't stand it any longer. I couldn't stand 
the criticisms and the put-downs and the negativity that I heard in the church. I couldn't stand the fact that our church thought they were better than everybody else, that they had more of the, of the right doctrine than other people. And there came a time when I just had to walk away. I've heard it many times. Because that, in that church, there were more people living in community as individuals rather than living as community. And then the third thing that I noticed in chapter 12 is we are empowered by the same Spirit. We are all empowered by the same Spirit. You see, the thing that makes us feel that we are dispensable is that we don't always understand that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This God, this creator God that we love and who loves us with an everlasting love was big enough to create the whole universe. A universe so great that we still don't know how big it is. Every time we invent a new telescope we find out that the universe is bigger than we'd thought. This God who was so extravagant in his creation and his love became small enough to live in you with all the same power all the same power of creation all the same power that raised Jesus from the dead he's come with that power and he dwells in our lives isn't that magnificent? Don't you, don't you find yourself getting excited about that? This God, this God, you can read the Bible for a hundred years. You can understand something new every day and you will still not fully understand God. And this God, with all his wisdom, with all his mystery, with all his love, with all his grace, dwells in us. We are empowered by the same Spirit and he dwells in you and he dwells in me and and so we are members of the body of Christ and we are indwelt by the same Spirit. We are united by the same Spirit. And then fourthly, I noticed in chapter 12, that belonging to the body enhances our personal value. You know, we live in a world where we talk a lot about self-esteem and, and how we get a sense of worth in our lives. Well, the truth for the Christian is that our sense of worth comes from belonging to the body of Christ. And Paul, when he's talking about the, the body he, of Christ, he uses the human body as an illustration and, of course, he was always going to get into trouble with that illustration. If you'd have been there and you heard him launch into that when he was talking to the Corinthians, you would have said, uh-oh, Paul, you're going you're to dig a hole for yourself here. You're going to get in trouble. And so but he talked about ears and eyes and, and noses and, and he, he was doing well. But then he realised that there are lots of other parts of the body. Parts you don't see, for instance, like your liver or your kidneys 
or your blood vessels. And there are parts that we don't, we choose not to let people see, that we're modest about. But he had a covenant. And he talked about those things and he said, those parts that are not seen and those parts that, that we're modest over, God gives special honour to those parts. He gives value to every part of the body. He just values you. He just loves you. He just, he just sees you of inestimable worth. Do you understand that? There's never any doubt in God's mind about your value as a person. He never thinks, well, um, it was hardly worth dying for that person. You can't imagine God feeling like that, can you? You can't imagine God saying that, but he doesn't because his, his nature is love and mercy and grace and he has saved us and he has made us part of the body and, and as I interact with other parts of the body I, I, I discover that I am of great value to him and to the body. And then the fifth one is the health of the body depends on us fulfilling our function. I don't know whether you got up this morning and thought, ah, oh, well... I, I don't know about going to church this morning. I, I, I don't think anybody would miss me if I wasn't at church this morning. Well, I want to tell you that every time we give in to that thought, there is dysfunction in the body. I want you to think about the body in two ways right now. I want you to think about the body of Christ internationally all over the world. And I, I get quite moved when I think about the church in Iran and Iraq and throughout the Middle East. Country, some of those countries that are the country where the church is growing fastest in the world where Muslims are coming to know Christ in dreams and house churches are springing up all over the face, place in the, in the face of great persecution. And I think about my brothers and sisters, I think about the, the other parts of the body right around there and, and I realise that that, that my commitment to them is to love them, to pray for them. Think of my Christian, the Christian parts of the body in Vanuatu right now. I think of the parts of the body in, in, in Elko Island right now, still living in tents after, after their particular uh, storm. And I know that they're depending they're depending on me. They're depending on the other parts of their body around the world. They're depending on us to be praying, to be giving, to be responding in whatever way God puts it on our heart to do it and when we fail to do it, they will hurt. 
I don't know how true this story is and it might be one of those urban myths but it has a powerful message and I've heard it told so many times of a missionary who'd been on the field for many, many years had had a, a really tough time, lost his wife, things had gone really badly. I think a child had died. The work had not taken off. Nobody was getting saved. And they, they came home broken and disappointed and unannounced. And uh, he turned up in his local church, sat down the back. The whole service went by and there was not one prayer for the missionaries of that church on the field. And he wondered, he wondered whether it would have been different if other parts of the body had been lifting him up in prayer. We fail the body when we do not pray. And then come back and think about this group here. Think about this congregation as a local expression of the body of Christ. And think of what's missing when you are not involved. Think of what you bring to this body. Some of you, some of you are pastoral, you care for others. Some of you are able to know instinctively how to help other people. Some of you have a great heart for evangelism. Some of you have a great heart for discipling people. Some of you have a great heart for children and for youth. Some of you are involved in those things and if you're not involved in them, you you need to be praying for them because that's what God has given you. That's what he's made you passionate about. You must live in community as an individual that God has gifted and blessed and raised up and empowered and has great value. And number six, the sixth thing I notice. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 is that we've been individually shaped and gifted with the whole body in mind. Do you understand that, what I'm saying? You and I have been shaped by the circumstances of our life. And as we look back, some of those circumstances have been difficult and painful and we wish they hadn't happened. And we've had to deal with stuff that is really hard. And sometimes we've had a bit of a controversy with God about that. Sometimes we've said to God, just take this away. I I just don't like this set of circumstances. And he said, just hang in with me for a while. I'm shaping you. I'm moulding you. I'm making you into something that is going to bring glory to, to, to the kingdom of God and to Jesus and I, I'm shaping you and, and I've got the body in mind you see I know what part of the body you are and I know that the body needs the person who's been through these circumstances and these situations and I'm moulding you and I'm shaping you for that 
And as I look back on my life and, and I think about what I went through as a child and I think of the abuse that I suffered, I almost now, and I'm sorry to have to say this because I'm going to upset somebody, but I almost now see it as a gift from God because he used what should never have happened, he used what was a crime, he used what was inexcusable to shape my life and to make me the person that he needed to be in the body. And he's done it for all of us, one way or another. And he's always had his body. He loves his body. You see, his body, he calls his body the bride. And one day, Christ, our Redeemer, is going to marry the bride and there's going to be a great wedding feast and I bet you I'm on wash-up roster. Aren't you excited about the way he sees the church? He loves it with his whole heart. And then the eighth thing that I see, I'm nearly finished, that I see in 1 Corinthians 12 is that God honours the least presentable parts of his body. So even if you and I think we're a fair way, you know, we're, we're just a little sort of section of, of the kidney, he honours that. He loves that. And our bodies are a constant reminder of that. You know, when something goes wrong... And if that hasn't started to happen yet, you're not 70. Um, when something, something goes wrong, you, you realise and it can be just a tiny little thing like, like a blood vessel. We realise how important every part of the body is and that's what God is telling us, that he honours the, the least presentable parts of his body. And the ninth thing that I notice about chapter 12 is that if one part suffers, the whole body suffers. And uh, we, we have an inbuilt illustration of that all the time because if you're doing some work and you hit your finger with the hammer or you jam it in the door, what do you do after you've said whatever you said? Right? You wrap these five members around the hurting one and that is what the body is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a wraparound body. And isn't it wonderful to belong to a church where that happens? And I'm sure here you belong to a church where that happens and somebody's hurting, then the body wraps itself around. Now I must must confess to you that occasionally in the church I've seen not a wraparound community but a wild dog community. Do you know what happens when a dog gets injured? A wild dog gets injured, even a cattle dog gets injured. The other dogs turn on it, rip it apart. 
I've seen that happen in the church and I'm saddened by that but I bet you it doesn't happen here. But it does happen that we sometimes attack the fallen. Church has sometimes been described as the only army in the world that marches over its wounded. Well, I hope that's not true because that's not what the body of Christ is about. It's about a wraparound community. And the last thing I see in chapter 12 is that if one part is honoured, the whole part, the whole body rejoices. If one part is honoured, if, if somebody is, is uplifted and, and recognised and achieves something that, that, is, that is noticed, then we all rejoice with that. We don't feel envious about that. We rejoice in that because we are part of the body of Christ. You know, a lovely thing to do in a, in a local church like this is from time to time to honour people for their faithfulness. Not we, 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 I remember my brother Gil was telling me a story how he was visiting a, a church one time to preach and uh, he was in the church preparing for something during the day and there was a man doing some plumbing work on the pipes in the church. And he said, Gil, I, I want to ask you a question. He said, he said, in our church we honour the elders and we honour the Sunday school teachers and we pray for them. Every year as the year starts we pray for them and we pray for our elders and we pray for our deacons and we pray for our preachers. When are we going to pray for the plumbers? That's, isn't that powerful stuff? You see, it's the plumbers and the builders and the office workers and the school teachers who every day of the year are being the church the parts that are out there in a world that is unsympathetic and they're out there. When do we honour them? When do we pray for them? When do we get somebody up and say, we want to honour you because you're in a, posi a, pos a position of responsibility at work and, and you've stood for Christ and you haven't stepped down and you haven't lowered your flag and we want to honour you in church today. And we're going to pray for you. Great thing to do. Great thing to do. Who are going to honour high school kids who are prepared to be Christians at high school? Hey? How about honouring people who live in very difficult circumstances day after day after day, caring for a sick loved one, living in poverty, and they've never wavered in their faith and they are always they are always reflecting Jesus. What about let's honour and honouring them sometime? Say we want to honour you, and you know what happens when we do that? The whole body rejoices. A good thing to do brings joy to the body. Well, that's out of time, but is that helpful? Uh, we're going to go on next week and we're going to talk about the body, uh, how it grows 
and how it matures and how the body gets healthier and more effective in the world in which God has placed it and uh, and we're going to be speaking out of Ephesians 4 so if you'd like to look at that during the week uh, then that would be great. Let's pray together. I wonder whether as we pray you might just like to pray yourself just quietly making some response to God. Maybe you realise as I realise often that that there are many, many times when we can be living out our lives as individuals in community and that when we do that we we have hurt people or we've made it difficult for our leadership or we've made it difficult for someone else, some other part of the body and maybe we just want to bring that to him. Maybe it's something that we don't think affects the body. Maybe it's a secret sin that's going on in our lives and we just want to bring it to him today and say, Father, you've died for this sin. I accept your forgiveness today. Or maybe you're just so excited about being part of the body of Christ and you just want to thank him. And you just want to re-acknowledge that you are so glad that you're part of his body. Father, we just thank you this morning for this great truth that you have saved us out of self-centred individuality and you've drawn us into Christ-centred, other-centred community. We thank you for the freedom that brings. We thank you for the joy that that brings. We thank you for the sense of value that that brings and we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.